Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. We got our Texans Panthers postgame show. If this is the first time you've joined us, we welcome you to the party. Robert alongside co-host Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, man, this is a tough game. You, you know, losing a game like this, this is one that you're going to look back on probably at the end of the year. It, it could be the difference between you winning the division. They got a tough schedule coming up, but there's nobody really taking charge. So this was a huge one. It really was, Robert. And, you know, the thing is, is the Texans have won a couple of ugly games and then they've lost a couple of ugly games. And I just, you know, the the thing about it is the Texans defense put the offense in several positions where they had opportunities to win the game. And who would have thought that the defense would be trying to bail out the offense? We, We wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the season, I don't think. But are you sure, Robert? that the Texans and Panthers didn't make a trade during the week and swap Deshaun Watson for Kyle Allen? Because I'm telling you, Allen showed more composure than Deshaun Watson did today, especially in the face of the rush. And Allen was making the kind of plays that Deshaun Watson normally makes. I'm confused. Yeah, Stephen, as good as Deshaun looked last week, he looked just as bad this week. He couldn't find a rhythm. He was holding on to the ball too long like he always does. And, and this one was costing. I mean, you start the game with the sacks. Uh, Greg Mance uh, replaces Zach Fulton. Don't know what happened, but there's a last second Zach scratch. has a back problem, I think, is why he was scratched. Yeah, but I don't know. what. I, yeah, it was a back injury. I get it. But we didn't hear much about that at all this week. So it, it came out of nowhere, really. And, and so Mance, it was Mance's guy that gave up the two early sacks. The first one was particularly bad. The second one, again, Deshaun might have been holding on to the ball too long. The third sacks, there were six sacks in this game. The third one, he holds onto the ball too long. Again, on, on you know, I, I don't know what he's doing there. Uh, same with the fourth one. I have on the fifth one, he holds onto the ball too long, but the refs miss a face mask. So maybe he gets out of that one. Maybe you put that one on the refs because he'll get out of that one and either throw it away or pick up some yardage. And then, of course, there was the sack fumble. Now that one was on the offensive line. I, I, I don't know, Stephen, nobody except... Laramie Tunsil looked like they blocked anybody on that play. But, you know, I, I don't want to give this one to the offensive line. I mean, I know Tiki Barber on the broadcast was, oh, the offensive line had a bad game. No, no, this was Deshaun Watson. He he was missing guys when he was throwing the ball. And when he wasn't throwing the ball, he was, wasn't was throwing the ball. And he wasn't throwing the I mean, he just wasn't throwing the ball. Throw the ball, Deshaun. Get rid of it. Don't take sacks. Yeah, I know on that second sack, he definitely held the ball too long. Now, I'm I'm wondering, getting back to that first sack, it seemed like he was urging a quick snap. He didn't get it, and the the Panthers, you know, they they had enough time to snuff out the play. But, yeah, all in all, you know, we keep talking about this every week, that Deshaun is holding the ball too long. Deshaun's holding the ball too long. And it's easy to keep blaming the offensive line for as, as much blame as they have deserved over the last couple of years. But honestly, Robert, in the past couple games, I think the offensive line has done at least a decent job. And, you know, this week, well, with the exception of Fulton, I mean, you know, they're trying to get in continuity with each other and playing basically the same line. But no, I think today it was definitely on Deshaun Watson most of the time. And it just seemed like he was a little bit off, just a tad off. And I know Kenny Stills, we lost him. You know, it's a big loss, but the, the Texans still had enough weapons, I think to pull this one out. And even despite the way Deshaun played, they were still in a position 
to at least have a chance to win the game. Yeah, Kenny Stills, I guess he was borrowing uh, Kiki QT's hamstrings. Uh. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think. And see, that would have been an opportunity for Kiki QT to shine, and it just didn't happen. It yeah, just hasn't happened. He had a couple plays. I mean, he made a couple of catches. You know, he, he was okay. Uh, he didn't get hurt when he caught it, so that was what I was watching for. That's, but That's progress, yes, absolutely. And, and if you look at the offensive possessions, if you go through them, the first drive, again, Greg Mance, uh, that hurt you in the first drive. The second drive, you know, they get down the field, but Fairbairn, and this is another issue, Stephen, Fairbairn does not look like the field goal kicker from last year. He missed the extra point last week. He's missing, you know, a 52-yard field goal. You go, well, you know, a 52-yard field goal, that's difficult, but their guy made a 56-yard field goal, and that's the difference in the ball game right there. Three points one way, three points the other, and it's a tie ball game. Yeah, and uh, Fairbairn missed a long field goal last week, too. Yeah, they're they're difficult, but they're not impossible, the, the ones that he's attempted. Uh, if he had missed another extra point today, I would say the fans would have probably started a petition to get a new kicker because we you know, certainly couldn't have afforded that. But, yeah, really, if you think about it, the special teams made as much difference as the ineptitude of the Texans' offense. The special teams for the Panthers was really the difference because Sly made the field goals he needed to make and Fairburn didn't. Third possession, Duke Johnson, really good 40-yard run. Duke Johnson had a had a good day where I saw him making plays in the run game that Carlos Hyde, at least early on, wasn't making. Hyde got it going later. But then you get inside the 20 and Tunsil with a false start on third and five. And that was a drive killer, really. They, they get 10 plays, 66 yards. Fairbairn hits a 37-yard field goal. Fourth drive, DeAndre Hopkins... Okay, what did you think of that play call? I, I know Twitter was mad at Bill O'Brien for that one. Yeah, that's probably one that I, he probably should have done things differently. I mean, you know, the thing is, if it had worked, he would have been a genius. If it hadn't, which it didn't, uh, he's he's not. So I don't know. It, it's It could go either way. Here's my problem with the DeAndre Hopkins deal. And, and I know a lot of people want to blame Bill O'Brien, but at some point you got to trust your players and Bill O'Brien. Oh, the offense is predictable. We don't like the offense. They're not doing this and that. I, I like trick plays occasionally. I, I've got no issue with that. DeAndre Hopkins, he's got a choice there. He He's a pro bowl, all pro caliber wide receiver. He's a smart guy. He's not an idiot. You, 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 you catch the ball if the guy is open, I'm sure the play is, hey, if you see nobody on the other side of the field and Carlos Hyde is wide open, you throw the ball. If not, you put the ball underneath your, you know, put it right up above, against your chest and you start running the ball because we're inside the 20-yard line. DeAndre Hopkins, he's got to know that. And they're actually, I think uh, one of the re receivers, I'm trying to remember who, but somebody was open on that, on that play. But I don't want him to have to read either that but that play is there or not, Stephen. And, and that's where... You know, that's DeAndre Hopkins. You, you expect your veterans to make a smart play, and that's something I'm sure they've gone over and they told him over and over and over again. If we run this, then it's either wide open or it's not. If it's not, just run the ball. We're inside the 20-yard line right there. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I guess my only problem with the trick play is the Texans were deep in Panthers territory. They were moving the ball well. They, they, were, they had the drive going. The offense was doing well with what it was doing. I'm not sure that you want a trick play right there because you're moving it so well, doing it the way they were doing it. And, you know, unfortunately, it resulted in the pick. 
so that I guess my my only problem, if 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 there was a problem with the play call, is just the timing and the fact that it just broke the momentum that the, the Texans were moving down the field quite well enough without it. Yeah, I mean, I saw people on Twitter. Oh, they're moving the ball, and you know, they, you know, what, what, what are you going to do there? You, you got to keep going with what you're doing. But I mean, how many points did they have on the board? Three. How well were they moving the ball? How much of a rhythm was this offense looking? They had they moved the ball because of one play. It was the Duke, Duke Johnson forty yard run. Uh, you know, set, set set up something the drive before that drive was it was going okay, but I, I don't think they were. You know, this wasn't a machine at this point, but. I understand, you know, if Bill O'Brien, no matter what he does, it's going to be wrong for, for a lot of people. And we're going to get to what he did wrong later on, because that's the bigger issue I had with Bill O'Brien was later in the game. But going through the rest of the offensive possessions, uh, Deshaun Watson, again, he was missing guys the entire game. He wasn't close on, on some of them. But, you know, that last play, that last uh, drive of the of the second half of the first half where, you know, he has Will Fuller wide open, 75-yard touchdown pass uh, if he hits it, and he just overthrows Will Fuller. He, he overthrow, overthrew a couple of deep passes. We're going to get to one. Um, then the, the next drive, first one of the second – or the last one of the second first half was just a screen to Duke Johnson with four seconds left. They just kind of you know, went into halftime right there. They were deep in their own territory. But you go into the second half to Sean, again, sacking, getting the sack, holding onto the ball too long. Then he overthrows DeAndre Hopkins on another deep pass. Again, that would have been a huge play. They punt again. Then they have the uh, the strip sack by J.J. Uh, sets up the four-play 18-yard drive. Deshaun scores on the one-yard touchdown. He gives the little Dikembe finger whack on that one. The next drive, three and out, two Deshaun incompletions. He's not even close on either incompletion. There was time to throw. He wasn't close. Uh, the, the late drive in the game you've got, uh, or in the fourth quarter, you've got an illegal shift when Nick Martin snaps the ball too early. It cost a first down for Carlos Hyde and now they're way backed up. They can't get it. They got a punt right there. And Nick Martin, you know, he didn't look good on that sack fumble on Eric Reed either. He was just hit, just run over in that play. I don't understand how you just get run over. You know, what's coming and he just didn't seem like he was prepared. So if there was anybody I was really frustrated with on the offensive line again, it's Nick Martin, who, you know, the numbers show pro football focus that he's had a really good first few weeks. He's got a 70 grade, which is for by Texan standards for offensive lineman. That's great. But Nick Martin in some crucial, crucial situations in the fourth quarter uh, didn't show up really well. And, and there was just a total misread on that last sack on the sack fumble uh, with I don't know what happened, but one guy came running in basically untouched on the right side, but it wasn't his guy that that got Deshaun in the sack fumble. It was the inside, and 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 Nick Martin's guy was one of those. Again, Laramie Tunsil on that play, Stephen was the only one that got anybody. It, it's just there was a, so much frustration offensively in this game. Well, I think you nailed it. It's it's not the frequency with which Martin is not making the plays or the snaps. It's when they happen, they they seem to happen at the happen at the most critical situations, and you know on almost any other week, Deshaun makes most of those throws. You know when when Stills was in there early in the game, he made a, a couple of good catches, and then of course you know the last few weeks he's made some big plays. But I'm not even sure if Kenny Stills had been in there. I don't think even he could have made those kind of plays because Deshaun was just off today. Once again, Bill O'Brien with a really unnecessary ridiculous challenge there was no angle that showed that it was even close 
I don't know what he was doing in the fourth quarter. You knew those timeouts were going to matter. I get it. It was a first down play, but you know, you just didn't see it. You don't see it in that. And you know, I, I, this is, this has got to be on OB because either get somebody up in the booth that knows what they're doing and can see and has got eyes and knows what it looks like on a replay or, uh, you know, fire some, you know, get somebody in there. But, you know, it, this is, comes back to O'Brien over and over again. And we don't we don't see this with a lot of teams, but the Texans can't get a challenge right ever. Yeah, that's the thing is that uh, I think uh, with the Astros, A.J. Hinch does pretty good with challenges. Uh, the Texans, not so much. I I don't know. I, I know that they could have used the timeout, obviously. I didn't find a lot of fault with him challenging it. I, I just feel like once again, though, his percentage of, of just when to do it and when not to do it comes back to bite him every week. Yeah, there's just but there's no angle that really showed it. And the other problem is it wasn't just that timeout that they lost. They they lost another one. And again, this goes back to Bill O'Brien. They were disorganized in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's your job as an offensive coordinator and as a head coach. Have your team organized when the game matters the most. And it was a fire drill out there, so they had to use a timeout in in the mid, midway through the fourth quarter. Those two timeouts, oh, they could have really helped you uh, when you got the ball back. You would have had plenty of time to try to drive down the field and, and, and win the game, or, you know, you would have had that time. No question. Was that the timeout that the, the uh, Panthers were substituting? I believe that was that uh, one timeout when they were substituting the Texans. The, the play clock was running down. And yeah, when the fact that the Texans were actually in a position. To win the game toward the end, you know, he threw the Deshaun Watson threw the Hail Mary. Another timeout, they might have gotten a little bit closer and then had a better shot at the end zone. Yeah, I don't know what you're saying, but if you're saying that, oh, the the Panthers were substituting, so the Texans called the timeout. That's a ref call. Like the refs can say, hey, we're going to hold while while you're doing the substitute. They don't make the Texans take a timeout there, as as far as I know. Unless I no, they don't make them do that. No. Yeah. So that's on Obar. That's on Obar. Those are two timeouts. O'Brien cost them, and you know, again, they went into, into the halftime with not using all their timeouts, which, you know, I don't know. It, it just like that happens way too often. You know, if you got timeouts, you might as well use them. Like they could have used them at the end of the half when the Panthers were trying to score. I, I thought it would have been a good time to use it on defense because, you know, you knew the Panthers weren't going to run out of time. If you're like wanting them to run out of time with like a minute to go on the clock or something like that. That wasn't going to happen. So you could have used a timeout there on D and they never use timeouts. They hardly ever take a timeout on defense. Yeah. Missed opportunities. That That's kind of what it just comes back to for me, Robert, both on offense and defense. They, they just had so many chances that if they had just done one or two things, right, they could have won this game. And I guess that's what makes it so frustrating. But then, you know, we talk on the other side about how they went ugly, that they probably shouldn't have won a game here. or won a game there. But these are the ones that are hard to take because you, you had an inexperienced quarterback in there who looked like what Deshaun Watson normally looks like. And then you have Deshaun Watson who looked more like what Kyle Allen probably should have looked like today. And it, it wasn't from a lack of Texans putting pressure on him on defense. They were, but he was just making the plays. Well, I, I, I got all the crap stuff out of the way for the most part. I'm going to let you handle maybe the good stuff, the defense, and, and what you thought of that. But the the big deal to start the game, Amenahu uh, injured, didn't play inactive. Carlos Watts, Watkins activated. Uh, he ended up making a play in this game. What did you see from the defense? Well, I think overall, uh, you know, the fact that 
they only gave up 16 points, I, I think is is a good thing. Now, Omenicue, I think he had a knee problem, if I remember right, that uh, forced him to be out. Could have definitely used him in there, especially the way he'd been playing the last couple of weeks. But overall, the, my biggest problem with the defense is is probably the same problem that a lot of defenses are having. They They just don't have an answer for players like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, they just they they couldn't stop Christian McCaffrey. He made numerous big plays, especially on third down when the Texans could have probably gotten off the field, and McCaffrey just kept getting away, kept getting away. So, I guess the biggest problem the defense has is stopping players, two-way players like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and those guys. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, twenty-seven carries, ninety-three yards, uh, only three point four yards per carry. It seemed like a lot more. Uh, he was also doing it in the passing game, though. Th- those were big catches that he made at critical times over and over again. Ten catches, 86 yards. And th- that was the bigger deal than what he was doing in the running game. But one of the things that I've seen this year that you typically haven't seen with Romeo defenses, they don't tackle nearly as well. It used to be the Texans, if they got your arms around you, the first guy, you were going down. Uh, McCaffrey, you would see it with Kamara. I you know I saw a little bit throughout the season so far with with a lot of these guys and McCaffrey and Kamara, you know we're talking about fantastic running backs and tough guys to get down. But the Texans used to be able to do that. They used to be able to get your arm get their arms around you and and the plays over with. But Whitney Merciless, man, we got to talk about him again. What what a game! I tell you what, he just he he knows how to do these strip sack fumbles. You know, getting to the quarterback. So I think after four games now, th- this is not a fluke Whitney Merciless we're watching. We're we're watching the Whitney Merciless that we expected and hoped to see at the beginning of the season. So, yep, it's great to see him come back through. And J.J. Watt did his usual J.J. Watt thing for the most part today as well. Yeah, Merciless, uh, his fourth strip sack of the year. We're four games in. He's got one per game. Watkins, as I mentioned earlier, he played a factor because he recovered on that one. But who needs Clowney? You don't need Clowney. You got you got Merciless. Well, yeah, we went over. That's right. We went over that last week, I think, in the podcast of how Merciless is outdistancing Clowney on just about every stat, uh, you know, especially with the strip sacks. I mean, he's got to be among the leaders in that in the league. If you look at the defensive possessions, uh, Lonnie Johnson had a, a long pass interference play where he kind of did his Jock Reeves, P.D. Fagan's impression. He wasn't looking back for the ball. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But Lonnie Johnson overall, I think, is for a rookie. I mean, you're going to expect those type of things. Just want to see constant improvement from him. But he's he's played well. It's turned out to be a good draft pick. Just like Max Sharping overall has played well for a rookie offensive lineman that basically has got thrown into a position he wasn't playing in college. And Titus Howard uh, got nicked up, but but he's played pretty well. We give the rookies a little bit. It was it been nice to see a who get an, another game in there because he's been playing so well. But Brennan Scarlett on that first drive, causes the fumble. Got to give a little Brennan Scarlet love here. And, and Bernardrick McKinney recovers at the 18, did a great job reaching around Kyle Allen and and, and uh, knocking the ball loose. Uh, the second drive, they scored a field goal, but that was really set up. Remember how that was set up, Stephen? It was a Brian Anger, who, who I'm going to get to him later. Great game for him overall. He was partially blocked on a punt. Yeah. That looked like, to me, Peter Columbayi, missed his block a little bit and that really set up the field position where they were to go down there and get the field goal 
But if you look at the next two possessions, merciless pressure on third down ends the drive, then the strip sack, uh, and Watkins recovers. Uh, they've got a five-play, 54-yard drive. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, three-yard touchdown run. That makes it 7-3. to three. That was their one touchdown of the game. Um, then near the end of the half, one first down and punt. Again, J.J. Watt, you mentioned, he, he's looking more and more like the guy we know gets the strip sack fumble, and he recovers it. And that, and that leads to the Texans' one touchdown. It was, thank J.J. Watt. The offense doesn't get any credit for that as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's right. And and I just think that, you know, with, with as much as we're talking about the big plays that the Texans' defense made today, you know, to think that if, if the offense can just get things back together and be, if Deshaun Watson can be the quarterback that we know he can be because he's shown it in the past, and the defense can continue to make plays, then the Texans are going to win more games. They're, they're going to win the games that they should win, uh, whether they be ugly or pretty. But yeah, and and getting back to anger, you know, there was one punt that later in the game that looked bad, but then it took a nice roll. I don't know, it must have gone like 60, 65 yards. Oh, it was that, 71. 71, 71 yeah. So it set the Panthers back up deep. So he has definitely been the difference. I know we don't talk a lot about the punters, but they can so easily flip the field if they do what they're supposed to do. And Anger has clearly done that since he's come back on board the last couple of weeks. Yeah, great game for him. Five punts, 51 yards average. But, I mean, that one punt was was a big part of that average. But he he does a great job of the hang time. The the, the special teams get can get down there and make a play. You know, there was a, a die, had a penalty on a chop block on one punt, and he had pinned him to, into the five. It, it, it turned out to be at the 40-yard line. Going back to J.J. Watt, you know, there, there were so many near misses in this game. If he just gets that sack on Kyle Allen, that ends the drive. The Texans get the ball back with a little bit more time on the clock for sure, and, and they can do something. I mean, that, that was frustrating because, you know, right there, that's one of those plays. There were so many that, like, oh, if, if Deshaun had hit Kyle Will, or, uh, Will Fuller in stride, if he hit DeAndre Hopkins – uh, in stride on a couple of those. I mean, it, this was a game of near misses, but it's also a game where, you know, I, I just, when I look at this, I go, we just come back to the same two guys over and over again. It's about your head coach and it's about your quarterback, Steven, and your head coach, you know, not doing things to help you at times. And your quarterback just cannot find a rhythm. It's either he gets the ball out immediately or he holds on to the ball too long. And and that's somebody that I don't know if he figures it out because you know quarterbacks they usually their their ability to to read and go through progressions, the great ones can do that. Otherwise, you're just like a mediocre or bad quarterback and I I don't know if that ever changes. You you hope he learns, you hope there's a a pattern of learning process and you know he's only in his third year and he's only played, you know, 20 some odd games at this point, but uh you know, that learning process has got to speed up for him. Well, whether it's fair or not fair, I, I think it's that's the way it is. The coach and the quarterback, they're, they're always going to get probably more credit than they deserve, more blame than they deserve. But I do think Deshaun is better than the Deshaun Watson we saw today. I, I clearly think he, he is certainly much, much better than that. One of the things that I think, too, that the offense needs to get better with is coming out of the game in the first quarter on their first possession – putting some points on the board, getting the momentum, and the same thing in the second half. You know, they did that in the Saints game in the second half that came out firing. But after that, it just seems like the bookends, you know, the beginning of the first quarter, 
in the beginning of the second half, especially today when they really needed to come out and get some points on the board to get that momentum back and take the game back. They haven't done that yet. And that's something they definitely need to get better at, especially as they play the elite teams. Deshaun Watson, the numbers, 21 for 33, 160 yards, six sacks. It was bad. Uh, Carlos Hyde, 12 carries, 58 yards, 4.8 per carry. Like I said, got it going as the game went along. Duke Johnson, six carries, 56 yards. I think he had a really nice game. That This is the type of stuff that we expect from Duke Johnson. He, he averaged 9.3 per carry. Uh, Kiki QT had a carry that was good, one carry for, for 10 yards. If you look at the receptions, yeah, DeAndre had five receptions, but DeAndre wasn't a factor. 41 yards in this game. DeAndre's not really having a DeAndre Hopkins year, and I wish I could say it was because the offense is great with all these different guys and they're moving around to different guys, but it just feels like something's different. Either Deshaun's not looking for DeAndre as much, which is fine if he's doing well and hitting other guys, which some games he's ha- he's done that. A lot of games he hasn't done that so far. It feels like, you know, the, the Chargers game was more like you wanted. Um, you know, the loss of Kenny Stills, he had two catches and 24 yards uh, before he went out. Will Fuller, three catches for 23 yards, but he could have had that he could have had that long bomb if, if Deshaun had, had hit him in stride. Duke Johnson with two catches, 22 yards. Uh, Jordan Akins with three catches for 21 yards. Uh, Darren Fells had a catch for 12. QT had a catch for 11. And Carlos Hyde had four catches for six yards. It, it, the good part was there was a couple of times where Deshaun might have you know been looking too much downfield, and he did dump it off quickly. I mean, at least he's doing that more often, Stephen. That's a good sign, I guess. Yeah, I definitely am glad to see that because that's something I think we've talked about that he hasn't done enough of. And as far as Hopkins is concerned, up until today, I think a lot of the reason is is Kenny Stills and a lot of the plays that he's made. But, of course, even after he went out today, I think the big reason is Deshaun was just totally off and wasn't reaching any of his receivers the way that he normally would, especially downfield with the deep ball. Quietly, again, a really nice game for Zach Cunningham. 14 tackles, Stephen, 14. I didn't know it was that many. I, knew he, I, I saw him on numerous plays, but yeah, 14 tackles. He's He really is, I, I think, the unsung hero as far as, or at least one of them for the Texans defense, because each game he's looked really good. Jonathan Joseph had a better game, I thought. This was much improved. Well, he didn't get burned like he did last week, that's for certain. So I, I think, that, you know, we just had to chalk that up as one bad game for Jonathan Joseph, I, I wasn't ready to say, well, he's too old. He's put out to pasture yet. Yeah, he didn't have a bad game today at all. Maybe he learned a little bit from his mistakes. Maybe part of it was it's Kyle Allen instead of Phillip Rivers. I, I still got to play the wait and see game a little bit with J. Joe. But I, I mean, overall, the defense, I, there was there was there just wasn't a whole lot I could find fault. You know, this is it's it's all about the offense, really. To think that we talked about how the offense would probably have to carry the defense. Well, in a couple of games, really, the defense has been the one that's carried the offense. And you just have to hope that it all evens out and soon. I mean, but if you don't look at it, the Texans are still two and two. They're they're at least in better shape than they were at this time last year. They were one and three. So there's still time to straighten things out. But they really can't keep having these weeks, you know, especially against teams or, or in games that are winnable, that they really should win. You don't have time to, to keep making these kind of mistakes and just misfiring the way Watson's have. You, you've really got to start putting a more consistent game together on all three levels, offense, defense, and special teams. 
They got a little help because the Raiders took care of the Colts, so the Colts dropped to two and two. Yep. Uh, the Titans, though, they crushed the Falcons, which means the Texans, you know, they need to crush the Falcons. Uh, they they need to show that they're at least as good as the Titans. Uh, so again, we're back in this sort of log jam in the AFC South, and it and it looks like it's going to be kind of this 500 division nine and seven might win it Steven I mean that we're back to the the good old days of a couple of years ago with the AFC South and that's kind of the way I figured you know especially after it was announced that Andrew Luck was going to retire I just felt that it was going to be more wide open yes it is for the Texans taking that's absolutely right but yeah the, the Titans I think have surprised me a little bit more you know there's still some uneasiness about Marcus Mariota and you know how some of the fans feel that he should be in there but so far, they've done pretty well. You know, the Colts, yeah, they lost today, but they, they're still in it. So I think it really is going to be wide open the rest of the season. It, it really is up for grabs. Anybody could win this, except maybe the Jaguars. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's – I don't know about them, but, you know, they got Minshew, so who knows. <laughs> that's true. The, the, the good news, let's, let's go to Houston Sports Good News. Astros, we've got to talk about that before we close out. I mean, they – took care of business over the weekend. I mean, you talk about getting everything done and all your P's and Q's. I mean, Kyle Presley uh, is looking good. Uh, Brad Peacock uh, had some nice showings over the weekend. Uh, You got Jose Urquidy. Wade Miley, that's a question mark. We probably need to get to that in a a setup for the playoffs. But uh, Urquidy looks like he would be ready to step in if they want to go with him as the starter. But the pitching, some of the guys that you needed to show you something, did. And then the biggest thing of all, Stephen, home field advantage all the way through the playoffs. Not just the American League, all the way through. All the way through. And that is really big, you know, especially when they get to the World Series. I mean, the Astros have put themselves in a better position this year than they did in 2017 when they won the World Series. Now, of course, the big chore is to go out and take advantage of putting themselves in that position. But, you know, the series against the Angels, I mean, they did a lot of this. A lot of their regulars didn't play all the time. You know, the first game, they didn't get in until, I think, 3 in the morning, so a lot of them sat out. So, you know, you're talking about players like Kyle Tucker and Aledmus Diaz and some of these other guys that are getting more playing time, yet, you know, with the exception of Wade Miley, the pitching has been right on. They've been doing taking their care of business and the offense when they've needed to. I mean, they still have this propensity to leave a lot of runners on base and not score when they have to, but they've still won the games that they needed to do. And now they're in a position to be home field all the way through the postseason, And that's big, I think, especially this year. How about Verlander coming out, getting his 300 strikeout of the year, getting all the way up to 12 strikeouts, which You were like, well, I don't want him to be out there that long, but he did it in 80-some-odd pitches, which was incredible. And he gets his three – along with that, gets his 3,000th strikeout of his career. I mean, like I said, they they were just crossing T's and dotting I's and doing Astros things all weekend. It's like the Texans, they're going to screw up the crossing the T's and the dotting I's, but the Astros, they handle their business. They do all the little things, and it's just – they're such a fun team to watch. I'm, I'm kind of sad the season's over with, Steven, because, you know, this is three years in a row of 100 games. But, you know, at some point, one of these, you know, one of these times are not going to come back and it's not going to be this easy anymore. 
And I'm also sad because we saw what I think will be the last time we see Garrett Cole in an Astros uniform during the regular season. And, you know, just uh, can't say enough of what a privilege it's been to watch that guy. And, I'm, you know, we'll talk about him in the playoffs and we're going to get to see him some more. But, uh, you know, just to see Garrett Cole do the things that he's done this year, break J.R. Richards' uh, record for strikeouts as an Astro and do it in less innings because guys don't go as many innings and don't throw as many pitches. So you could say, well, there's more strikeout pitchers now, but you know, th- there's also the fact that, Hey, you know, you, you don't get to stay out there till the eighth and ninth inning like you used to. Yeah. And that's why Astros fans don't get spoiled. Don't, don't be like Yankees fans and, and other fans who are quote unquote used to winning year after year after year. Enjoy this. Yeah, hopefully the Astros can win for the next 10 years and make the playoffs for the next 10 years. Maybe get to, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 World Series. Maybe that's a bit much. But enjoy it because it is so hard to do. It's a 162-game regular season. You have spring training before that. And then you have the grueling, you know, grind that is the postseason. So they come back the next year and try to do it again. That's That's a lot of games you're playing. So... What the Astros are doing is remarkable. I mean, you look at teams like the Cubs, the Royals, you know, who weren't able to capitalize on those opportunities when they first got them, but the Astros are. And I would like to think, Robert, I'm I'm trying to be an optimist here, but I'm like to think, whether it's this year, next year, that we'll start saying things like that about the Texans, that they start getting things done right and start making some waves and get deeper into the playoffs and maybe start being in Super Bowl contention, just like the Astros are in the World Series and the postseason. Yeah, I, I don't know if I believe you there. Uh, they'll have the right guys in the right position. I'm not placing bets on it now. I, I'm just saying I, I'd like to be the optimist and think that at some point it's going to happen. It, it just, uh, you know, I, I'm just, just trying to help the Texans fans out a little bit, Robert. That's all. Yeah, at some point it could be <laughs> like 30 years from now, 40 years from now, I could be dead. But uh, just... Good stats that you, you got to bring up to Justin Verlander finishes the season with a 172 opponent batting average. I love this stat because uh, that's fourth all time in the history of baseball as a qualified starter. Uh, Pedro Martinez at 167, Louis Tian at 168. This is back in 1968. Nolan's at 171, his 72 season. That was like his third or fourth season as a pitcher. Justin Verlander is tied for fourth with Nolan at 172, but Nolan did it when he was 43 years old in his 24th season. Just unbelievable, remarkable. You got to love Nolan Ryan. Got to also mention that uh, uh, Bregman made a a big MVP push. We, We did mention that, but... You know, I think he's going to be at worst, he's going to be number two for the MVP. And and there's some hard choices the voters out there have to make. But, you know, Verlander, 258 ERA, third lowest of his 15 year career. Second lowest was last year. So the Brent Strom effect, uh, definitely there for for Verlander. I mean, just what he's doing right now, it, it does remind me a lot of Nolan Ryan. There There is some similarities um, you know, we mentioned her, Jose Arquiti earlier. He's held held the opposition to a 161, 200, 274 down the line for, you know, average in all the numbers as, as opposing in his 18 September innings. So 
that's pretty good going into the playoffs for the kid. Um, so, I mean, just a lot of stuff that you got to love these, this last few days with the Astros. It, it's been really cool. And Carlos Correa, you know, he didn't play it. He says he's going to be ready. We're going to see. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the big question mark. Well, I guess the excitement that is the postseason and, and how well the Astros are doing, I, I guess that kind of, well, not just kind of, I think it, it, it really does make up for what was a very bitter pill to swallow for the Texans' loss today. And uh, so, yeah, we're, just, we're starting to focus more on the Astros and their postseason, I think, than the Texans' next game against the Atlanta Falcons. But how can you blame anybody? I mean, this is the time of year where baseball really st- does start getting hot. If, if, if you're one of those that doesn't like to watch the baseball season because it's 162 games and you're waiting for the postseason, well, get on board. The postseason is here. One more stat. We're going to end with an Alex Bregman one because uh, this was a really cool one, too. You know, he's the only one of only several players in American League history with at least 40 home runs, 110 walks, 35 doubles, and less than 90 strikeouts in a season. And I love that less than 90 strikeouts in a season. You know, in modern baseball, that's pretty cool. Uh, he's right there with Frank Thomas, who won the American League MVP in 1993. Some guy named Ted Williams, who won the American League MVP in 1949. Another guy named Lou Gehrig, you might have heard uh, heard of, who won the MVP back in 1936. And some joker named Babe Ruth, who did it three times in 24, 21, and 1920. So Alex Bregman, tip of the cap to you. Tip of the cap to Verlander and Cole and... Just a remarkable season for the Astros. We're going to talk Astros again in the next few days on the podcast. Unfortunately, I've got to end with the Texans because that's what uh, the game was today. The big game, the Texans lose this one 16-10 to against the Carolina Panthers uh, next week. They've got to figure out how to get the wheels back on the bus pretty quickly because uh, it doesn't get uh, too much easier you got the Falcons, and then after that, it's the Chiefs. So if you drop the next two, you're two and four. You know, maybe it gets a little bit easier after that. You get the Colts, which not easier, but the Colts is a winnable game. The Raiders. Easier than the Chiefs, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> so. easier than the Chiefs, right? The Raiders at home, Jacksonville on the road. So maybe you can win some games there, but they, they got to figure out how to win the game next week. So, worst case scenario, what would that make you? Three and three going into week seven? Right. I, I think that's why next week's game is so critical, because I just don't feel the way the Texans have been playing. I, I just don't see them beating teams like the Chiefs, like the Patriots. They're, they're going to have to they're going to have to do that at least once to convince me that they're on that par, that they're ready to do that. So that's why I think next week's game is so crucial against the Falcons. This is a team they should do. They, they should beat. And they, they've got to stop kind of playing down to the competition and start playing up. Yeah, they they play one-score games. We know that. This is the Texans. They've been doing that for a year and a half now, and they're not going to stop. And Bill O'Brien loves to keep it close. He wants you to uh, go to my bookie, our friends over there. So, (laughs) Uh, But, uh, again, Texans lose 16-10 on the Texans postgame show. We thank you for joining us. Uh, Thanks to Steven. Looking forward to some Astros playoffs later this week. We're definitely going to have a podcast or two on the Astros coming up so stay tuned for that rockets getting underway too so all that uh on the horizon we'll talk to you again soon you're listening to houston sports talk
Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.